Thank you so much for keeping it locked here on Radio Pulpit and K-Pulpit. My name is Jenna Libelong, and it's that part of the program here on Elevated where I get to introduce our incredible guest to you. Today with me on the line, I have Zizo Apleni. She is an incredible young woman. I must say, when I bumped into her story on social media, I read a story and I said, my goodness, God, this is an incredible young woman. She's uh, based in the Eastern Cape. She's a gender activist, a rape survivor, and a positive mental health activist and an author. She wrote the book titled, My Father Took My Innocence, My Privilege Now to Share That Testimony with You Today. Zizo, good day and welcome to Radio Pulpit. Thank you so much, Denili. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. Listen, we're going to get uh, to your story or the testimony um, to the book uh, in a minute, but I want you to start us off with your background. I see you are based in the Eastern Cape. Tell us a bit about Zizo Apleni. Where did you grow up? A bit of your background. All right. Um, so I am a grandmother's child, grandparent's child. Um, so my mom, my mom didn't work um, for a while and I, I lived with my grandparents in my rural areas. So that's where I grew up um, in a loving home, um, in, a, in a beautiful, um, warm home. That is how I grew up. And um, later on, um, my mom took me and we, we started off this relationship. So I, I I I have a beautiful beautiful background if I can say so myself. Mm. <laughs> Tell me, Zizo, the difference between growing up in the city and growing up in rural areas. You know, sometimes people will, uh, they will be jealous of people who got to grew up in a city, for instance. But I think there's so much mm. beauty as you just described yes. uh, when you grow up in rural areas. Hi, uh, Jenna. Um. Um, growing up in rural areas is so um is so beautiful, you know. Um, I don't know if I can call it oblivion, but you are just you are you are in your own space and you know you take in everything as you see it, you know. Getting out of the house in the morning because we wake up early, you know, and just seeing this the, the sunrise, being able to see it, not it being hidden by tall buildings, you know, um, and just um, the, the the community that you build with the people around you, like it's so easy to go to your neighbor and just sit there, and they will dish you up a plate mm. and you eat. You know, when you are there to play with your friends, you you are not cautious of anything. You just sit there, and when it's time to dish up, everyone gets dish up, and you eat um natural foods. You know, food that is grown that you also participated participated in cultivating that food. You know, it was such an 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 honor and you know to go to the to the garden with your grandmother and plow and then mm. you see the mealy, the the, me, the the maize grow and then you like and then you cook it and then you get to eat it and you're like you know what I made that so um that is what is so beautiful about growing up in rural areas you know I sometimes wish that our governments would develop the economy of rural areas a bit more so that more people would be motivated to like go back home and actually stay in, 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 you know what I mean? Because all of us, yes. we, we have to move um, eventually uh, because of the economy. You have to go out and kind of get a job mm -hmm. and do life. But imagine if I was able to do what I do, but still stay in my village. 
you know, it would be so beautiful. It would be so beautiful. And to think of it really, as I said, that um, the economy now is is probably there you know mm -hmm. because most of the most of the vegetables we eat most of the food that we eat is grown in rural areas and it comes to the cities so really it just but like we don't have the internet and all of that <laughs> but also that is also what the beauty behind it you know to just shut mm -hmm. off for like a week or so and be like okay you know what i need therapy maybe this will work for me you know just shut mm -hmm. out the world and just be yourself at your own village at home so what is it that you do now? Are you full-time into activism? Um, what do you do right now? Oh, definitely I am. I have a I have an NPO um which um really just supports um victims of gender-based violence, you know. Um, and basically we are just there to change their narrative of being um victims to be survivors of GBV, to know that um the the uh, because you didn't die from the act and from the mental illness that follows after being sexually violated, now you have survived it and live as such. Mm -mm. That is beautiful. You mentioned that you were raised by your grandmother, as you said, you were, uh, in, as we say in Afrikaans, uh, as well, raised by yeah. your parents, <laughs> uh, by your grandparents. But tell me about your relationship uh, with your mother um, and how that grew. We do find a lot of children in that position still where they have to stay with their grandparents because the mother mm -hmm. has to go and work, for instance, or the mother moves to the city, as we just explained, because of the economy of villages that are not strong enough to generate enough income for parents to stay there mm -hmm. with their children. So how is your relationship with your mother? Um, my mom's relationship um, and I has grown so much. It was very difficult because, as I said, I grew up without her. And I saw her on certain um, weekends when she'd come and visit. And obviously, she bought me nice stuff, bought me clothes. But I never, um, it was never cemented into me that this is actually your mother, you know. And, you know, when you grow, you grow up in a big family, like, um, and you grow up with grandkids, like grand um grandmothers. You know these people. They coming back from work, and you're like, oh, okay, so she's back, and oh, they say that she's my mother. You know, mm -hmm. and you don't know how a mother is supposed to act. And then um when I was nine years old, I was sent to boarding school, and for a further four five years I never lived with her so I started living with her when I was a teenager and you know how teenagers get you know mm. hormones are, are, are bouncing from wall to wall so there were so many disagreements between us but then um, and also I was suffering from depression and everything like that. So that did not make things easier for our relationship. But as I grew older, I, I got to realize and I got to live with her. And then I got to understand the kind of person she is. And she also got to understand the person I was. And we grew from that. And we, and we now have a beautiful, beautiful relationship, mother-daughter relationship. And there's nothing I do that she doesn't know. And there's nothing she does that I do not know about. So we have such a beautiful relationship and I will cherish it for the rest of my life. That is beautiful. And I asked this question, Zizo, because you always mention how grateful you are that your mother believed you 
that you were being raped. Now that brings us to your testimony and your story as it pertains to your father. Your book is entitled, yeah. My Father Took My Innocence, because you were first raped by your father at the age of seven yeah. years old, and you became pregnant at 13 years as a result. Tell us about yeah. um, your father, the rape, and what happened. All right. So as I as I mentioned, I I was living with my grandparents, and then this man, <clears throat> sorry, this man came, and I uh, my mother would take me um on certain days over the weekend, and she'd be like, okay, you're meeting your father, and I met him, and he was a loving man. Um, he he bought me clothes, he bought me, you know, and these um these meetings continued over a, a period of time, and I got to know this person, and so after that year it was in 2001 he asked that I go live with him because he's not happy that I am I'm schooling at rural schools rural schools mm-hmm. so um everyone at home agreed because they saw that this would be a great opportunity for me so that I can be what was important okay, um in the in the rural areas was being able to speak English you know mm-hmm. and so it was everyone was excited that oh okay she's going to school in town and she'll she will be able to speak English nicely and all of that so it was it was a a welcomed decision amongst my family so I was shipped off (laughs) to Mm. a a, to a town um in Umtata and that's when I lived with my father but then um when I got to live with my father um he had married now he had a wife when I got there um I I realized that my father um the I, I I can't say it's the my father was not the person that I thought he was because I did not know what having a father is like. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, I I saw that my father was beating up his wife. But in a seven year old mind in two thousand and one, I did all I knew was that if you get a beating, you did something wrong. You know, in 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 the African culture we we get beaten you know we Mm. get hiding you know if you do something wrong you get a hiding so that is what it was for me when I saw my father beating my mother I was my stepmother was like oh okay so maybe my my mother did something wrong and that is how life continued. And this was strange for me because in uh, where I came from at my mother's home, this did not happen. Um, my, I've never seen my grandfather hit his um, my, my grandmother and I've never seen my uncles hit their wives. So this was a bit strange. But in my mind as a seven-year-old then, I was like, okay, this was supposed to be happening. And then um, this one day when they had a, a huge fight and it was just so huge that my stepmother um, took her um, her belongings and left. And that night my, my father raped me. But um, also in my mind, I thought this was a norm. This is what happens to, to their, to, to, to sons, to to daughters and mm. fathers. This is the kind of relationship they had. This is what happened. And I thought maybe also my cousins and my uncles, this is what my uncles did to my mm. my cousins who are who are girls, you know, and, and no one spoke about it. No one we we never spoke about this act, you know, if I can mm-hmm. put it that way. So I was also like, okay, I'm gonna keep quiet and just endure it you know because it, it's what it, it is what is happening and I just thought everyone it was happening to everyone but no one was speaking about it so life yes continued and as I told you about my mother's relationship it was strained and I couldn't really 
tell her what is going on because the going back no one spoke about it and life continued and as I said I went to boarding school and even then whenever there was an opportunity that I would go and see him during the weekends he would continue to rape me and it was up until I was like 12 years old when I started my period and the, the the woman I was living with who was our guardian at the boarding school she she when I told her I started my period mm-hmm. she um set us down and um told us that we are not allowed to be touched by boys and now you are going to get pregnant but pregnancy wasn't explained to me what pregnancy is but I just knew that okay this is a scary word mm-hmm. and I do not want myself you know and one day um she also read us a story about this girl who was being touched inappropriately by her uncle you know and that night i i i i wondered okay so my dad also touches me but the uncle is wrong because it's the uncle it's only the dads who are allowed to touch the 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 children you know and Mm. i had that mentality so when I went to see my father again I said to him that listen I I heard of the story so what you are doing to me is it right or is it wrong and then that is when the threat started happening that I would not be bought clothes I would not be my father um he was that father who I had the best phones, you know, when a phone came out, then I had it, you know, mm. I had the best um, um, clothes. Um, I had branded clothes because my father, that's how he, he kept his secret under wraps, you know, and um, that's how just things happened. So he, he threatened that I would not, I would not be loved and I would be known as a liar of a child if I ever speak about that. So I also kept it. And then it was in 2007 that I got, when I went to visit him, he had bought me clothes for my farewell at school. And mm-hmm. that's when I got pregnant. Uh, Ziza, I want you to hold that thought for me. We're going to continue this conversation and we're going to speak about the role that this pregnancy played in you being able to speak out against what is happening, having that courage. And I mean, you are such a brave woman and you are helping so many people. I'd love for our listeners to hear what happened next, but let's listen to some music. Here's Chris Tomlin with Jesus Loves Me. That was Chris Tomlin with Jesus Loves Me. If you just tuned in, we are talking to Zizo Apleni. She is telling us her incredible story um, of how she managed to be a survivor of rape. Um, Zizo, before the music break, you were talking about how at the age of 13, you fell pregnant um, by your father because your father was abusing you, raping you for many, many years. Um, Tell us what happened from that moment and how this pregnancy then allowed you to speak out, to break free. All right. So how my pregnancy came out was that I got sick at school and I was rushed to the doctor. So when the doctor, when I got to the doctor, um, he was like, okay, I don't see what is um, wrong with you, but because um, kids do all sorts of things, let's try and do like a pregnancy test. And so a pregnancy test was done and it came out positive. And 
I had forgotten what pregnancy is as a child and mm. I was told that I was pregnant and it was like, oh, okay, that happened. I don't even know what it is. Let's continue with life. But then my mom came through to the boarding house and that's when she asked how I got pregnant. And I was like, mom, I don't even know how a person gets pregnant. So can you please just explain to me how a person gets pregnant? And my mom um. Um, started explaining to me that it is when a person puts their penis into your vagina and a baby is formed and I was like oh okay my father does that to me you know innocently as a child mm -hmm. and was like uh, what and she was shocked obviously and I was like yes um he started doing it um ever since I went to live with him and whenever he had an opportunity to do it and my mother was obviously shocked and she asked um how could I not tell her and I was like no I did tell my dad that um I heard a story and he was like no if you do tell this um to people they will think that you are a liar and no one will love you so mm -hmm. I did not want to be that person and my mom like uh, reassured me that um she loves me and it is not my fault that this happened and um she will continue to support me and that she um she knows that a lot will be going on with everything because she wants to report it to the police mm -hmm. and I must not worry about anything. She's got my support. So, and then that's where everything began, you know, going to the police station. But even then I didn't even, in my mind, I didn't even know what was going on, but I was like, oh, okay. So this thing now has a name. I was raped, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it was so difficult now. I was like, oh, okay, so my dad is getting arrested. And then when he did get arrested and my mom came to tell me and was like, Zizo, your dad is denying everything. And then I was shook to the core. I think that is when my depressive state started happening because I could not understand that um, we sort of like, we were in this together. But now when I talk about it, you say that I... He, this did not happen, you know, and I didn't know in my mind as a 13, 14 year old, how am I to, because adults were, be, were believed, you know, and mm -hmm. whenever you said something as a child, like, you know, it's a lie. And then this was so big. And now how was I going to Prove win it. this, mm -hmm. you know, prove it that he really did this to me. So, but then the support from my family, the support from um, my mother, you know, um, really just pulled me through, even though it was such a difficult um, moment. It was such difficult years of my life, but I was able to, um, I think God was just able to prove my innocence because later on, my dad was um, arrested and was sent to prison for what he did. Okay, that was my next question, Zizo. I wanted to know, what happened with the pregnancy and and was your dad actually prosecuted for what he did? Because we hear many stories, and this is what, what um, I love about your story. We hear many stories of young girls going through this sexual abuse uh -huh. and rape from not just their fathers, but uncles and family members. And then sometimes, as you said, they're not believed and the case just goes quiet and nothing happens about it. So what happened with your pregnancy and what happened with your father? Was he sentenced? Did he go to prison? Uh, things like that. All right. So by, by my pregnancy, um, I think I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I can explain it, but I think maybe because of the stresses, um, I was then um, 
scheduled to have a because my dad was denying the whole thing i was scheduled to have a medical top which is a medical termination of pregnancy mm -hmm. so even before that i had a miscarriage you know and i could not the, the, there was no evidence now it was just my word against his mm -hmm. so even uh, so i lost the pregnancy and then um so I reported the case in 2007, but because there was so much dragging from his side, we would get to court and we were told that he's not there, he's sick, um, he changed um, lawyers, he did this and this, dockets are missing, you know, all of the, the, the drama in between. I was only able to go and stand in court four or five years later in 2011. That's when I... I, 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 I I testified against him. And mm -hmm. after that, um, we heard that he was later on sentenced um, in 20, I think in 2016 or something like that for 12 years. But I can tell you now that he is already out. He um, he applied for bail and last year he is out and living again in the society. Sure. And, and that is the tough thing. But the great thing yeah. about about you is that you were able to find the healing Zizo and um, you are able to, you even speak about forgiveness. This is a very, very tough one. Um, how do you feel about the fact that your father um, is out again? He's, as you said, living in the society, um, yet you were able to get to a point of forgiveness and healing. What's going through your now that you know he's out yes so you know things are better in theory than in reality you know um for many years i had decided that you know what i will not let um the pain the resentment and anger to to live with me you know whereas i am the victim in all of this so i needed to let go of that and forgive my father so i decided to forgive my father i met up with him while in prison and i told him that listen i've forgiven you because i am tired of living a life where there is no progress because being a victim um you 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 just don't progress in life because you live in that state that you are in so i decided that i'm forgiving my father but then when i heard that he came out i was like no way i'm still mad you know i'm still angry how could the just justice system do this to me and remember i was not i was i was not even told that he is coming out you know i just heard that listen your father is out on the streets again so i was angry angry again um and this was only last year so i had to go back to the drawing board and mm. say that listen zizo remember that um how you felt about this man so you can't go back to that state that you were in you mm -hmm. also need like forgiveness for me wasn't just between my father and me so now i had to be like okay because l last time you also had to forgive a lot of other aspects that happened with mm -hmm. this whole thing. So even now we are back to that, to forgiving the justice system for doing this to you. So I decided to be like, okay, I also forgive the justice system. And because I had said that I have, I had moved on from all of this. Yes, there'll be, there'll be things that reminded, remind me of it. And because that, because now he is out, he will not do anything to you. You are stronger. Like you are able to face him ahead on and he will not do anything to you so mm -hmm. i forgive i forgive that this happened this way but um life has to move on life really has to move on and for you to become the woman that you you intend to be mm -hmm. you need to forgive 
the whole situation and everything that happens. So I, I, I turned to God again. I turned to God and I was like, God, please help me. I am again in the shadow of uh, the shadow of the valley of death. Please help me. Please come and help me and remind me again what forgiveness is all about. I love how you said earlier that God helped to prove your innocence. And now I hear that God also helps you or continues to help you with this process of forgiveness. Um, it must be very difficult to try and comprehend God's role in all of this. Like where was God? For those of us who've been um, victims of rape, of which I'm one too, this is one of the questions that I get most often. How do you feel about God? Were you not angry at God? Um, how did God help you through this whole process? So and I now want to ask that question to you as well, Zizo, from your perspective. Um, how did all of this affect your relationship with God? Did it bring you closer to him? Did it kind of make you question him? I was like, you know, when I when when I reported the when my mom reported the case and the whole drama started of him denying the whole thing and me realizing that what was happening to me for so many years was so wrong and I could not, you know, I I, I didn't have the mind in me as a child to to, to report it, to explain what is happening to me. I was so mad at God. I was like, how could you let this happen to me? You know, I had so many questions. How could you let um this happen to me for so many years? And worse at it, I got pregnant with my father's child. What am I going to call this child? Mm. Um, Like, uh, what am I going to say? God, I am mad at, mad at you and I don't even want anything to do with you. But then, you know, when 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 God wants you to be something he doesn't do it in a nice way you know mm. I always say you know if I look at my life I always say that I am the Mary of um of South Africa you know because he chose me to 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 to, to allow so that I can teach people about forgiveness because the essence mm. of this whole thing is forgiveness the only thing that you can take away from this whole story if I can take you back from when I when I was born the essence of my story and mm. the purpose of my life is is forgiveness you know and so god wanted people to know about forgiveness and even with jesus you know when when people were crucifying him but at the end of the day god jesus was like forgive them for they do not know what mm. they're doing and for me god wanted to put me up in a pedestal as the young woman that i am to say that you know even if you can be raped because i know what rape makes you feel like you feel as though you are worthless and you do not belong you you try to put yourself in in this group and you feel that you do not belong you 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 are going around just trying to put your put to put yourself in groups where you do not belong but god was like that is not what i want for you i want you to stand and say that listen this happened to me my father raped me for seven years mm. and i i he raped me for seven years and he impregnated me. And then what is most important about that, I forgave him. Mm. And the, as I said earlier, the essence of this whole story is the power of forgiveness, what it mm. does to a person. Because as soon as I forgave my father, things started changing in my life. I started seeing myself that, you know what, um, this may have happened to me, but I am beautiful regardless. Mm -hmm. I am intelligent regardless. I am 
am I am powerful regardless. I am my words when I start speaking, my 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 words change people people's lives. Yeah. So I am worthy to be loved. Uh, if God loves me. So I was also like, okay, God, I understand that I was maybe your project, but now because I see the purpose that you wanted for this whole thing, it is also fulfilling for me because I love seeing people come up to me and say, Zizo, you have changed my life. You know, I am not going to look at my life the way I did before after hearing you, after seeing you that because um, you are a victim of this, but mm -hmm. you are a survivor, you know, so Absolutely. that is what God meant to me. Absolutely. I concur with what you are saying, Zizo. I always say that um, you, people cannot understand how one can have joy in your purpose uh, uh -huh. when it includes so much pain. But the thing is that you, you can still grieve about your pain and things yes. you went through until you discover your purpose. The moment <laughs> that you discover your purpose, the purpose in all of this pain, truly like the word of God says, God gives us the kind of joy that nobody can touch. Purpose yes. brings you so much joy when you see how many lives are transformed by your testimony. And that is what you are doing today as well. We are unfortunately running out of time, Zizo. But I do want to ask you as an activist, um, you are helping so many young people get your pens and paper ready, guys. I'm going to give you the details of her um, NPO in a bit. You're an activist for survivors of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to change in our communities and in our society to safeguard our young kids? Because right now we are at a place where we don't just have to protect our daughters from external forces. Some of the mm. perpetrators are in our houses. They are our family. So from your experience and as an activist, just quickly, what should change and how do we protect our young kids? Um, it is so difficult to answer that question because um, it, it, it comes with a lot of weight, you know, and um, there's a lot to look out for. And sometimes uh, the perpetrators are very good at hiding themselves and what they do. But I would say that is that as um, as guardians of our children, let us be mindful and be able to see the changes in our kids. You know, sometimes when you are with a child, sometimes your child is a wild child. And all of a sudden, when you bring in this uncle into this house to come and live with you or your brother or whatever, and then your child after a few weeks is a timid child and mm -hmm. is quiet and is shy, we should be able as parents to investigate and, you know, and be able to see that, no man, my child has changed something must really be wrong with this child because even if the child does not speak but the body speaks for itself to say that something is wrong so as as, as a society let us be mindful of the people we keep in our spaces and mm -hmm. let us let us as mothers and as as fathers too, let us start um building relationships with our children, positive relationships so that they are able to trust us and be able to say that mom 
your brother is doing this to me and your child must must trust and know that if I tell my mom this, I know that she will believe me. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the perpetrator say, but I know that my mom will believe me. So as a society, I think we should just, we should go back to the life of the rural areas, you know, where we, mm -hmm. even though something happens, but we believe the child first, you know, mm -hmm. we believe the child, especially when it comes to GBV and sexual abuse. Absolutely. If you just tuned in, unfortunately, you missed this incredible conversation. I'm talking to Zizo Apleni, and we've run completely out of time. Zizo, your book, My Father Took My Innocence, where is it available and how do we contact your NPO? Should people want um, to make use of your services as an activist or as a speaker? Perfect. Um. So my um my 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 NPO um also sells the books um with it. So you can contact me on zero six seven zero one three zero seven zero five. There you um, have. That is where you can book me. You can buy the book. That is the contact number. I will call it out again. Mm -hmm. It's zero six seven zero one three zero seven zero five. There you have it. If you missed it, don't worry. I'm going to give it to you again in a bit. Zizo, thank you so much uh, for your time today. I have one minute left. What would you like to say to somebody who is a survivor of sexual assault, abuse, of rape, and maybe is still struggling with forgiveness, with breaking free, uh, and with the byproducts that comes with being a survivor? In one minute, what would you say to them? All right. I would say that um, forgiveness is is for you. You know, forgiveness is for yourself. If you want to live a healthy life, a positive outlook on life, you have to forgive. You have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive the situation. And I promise you, once you do forgive, you will see that this thing is big that has happened to me, but is minor compared to the joy that you will be feeling after forgiving. So it will be hard, but you have to forgive for you to be able to live a fulfilling life full of joy and be a, a, at a place where you are able to, to, to see your purpose in life. That is when you must forgive. So um, that is all that I have to say about forgiveness. And as a, as a victim, as a, a survivor of GBV and sexual assault try and forgive forgiveness is is such a beautiful thing to 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 be living under if i can put it that way mm -hmm. that then the voice of zizo Apleni. thank you so much for your time today god bless you and continue the incredible work that you're doing you're welcome thank you so much jenna yes salvador with a way stay tuned i'll be right back